Thank you for joining us for this episode of Faith Life. In this episode, we interrupt our series on Luke with a one-year celebration of Celebrate Recovery at New Beginnings Fellowship Church. Join us as Pastor Chris Bartley and our leaders of Celebrate Recovery give testimony of the wondrous workings of God. This is Faith Life. So like I said, we're going to be celebrating uh, one year of Celebrate Recovery. And, and, and in this group that meets here on Monday evenings, um, we, we often have different celebrations. We get to celebrate victories and triumphs, whether that be one day, 10 years, 20-something years. I mean, we've seen all kinds of victories. And, and so one of the things that happens is we pigeonhole this into a, a, an addiction recovery thing, and it's much more than that. And, and I can say that because I'm a benefactor of that group that meets on Monday. Uh, I run the sound and, and, and the PowerPoint most days, and, and, and it has poured into my life. I can truly say I am one of those people. Um, and, and so they, they, they help with overcoming hurts, habits, and hang-ups. I think that targets everybody. So this morning, I want to start talking with Legina. Have you come up here? And, and us, uh, us just kind of talk about... Um, how did this happen? Hi, my name is Legina. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus Christ who struggles with control. Uh, I control it myself. <laughs> I, can, um, I, I just got really bad habits. But this all started, um, I guess if you say seven or eight years ago, mm-hmm. I would have said, well, Celebrate Recovery is all about the addiction. You know, in Kentucky, especially our county, we really have a lot of addiction problems. But I started finding after I started into Celebrate Recovery, that I was the person that was needing the healing from all of my hurts, habits, and hang-ups. Mm-hmm. Um, I had been 17 years clean of my cocaine addiction when I started with Celebrate Recovery. But in the midst of doing the step studies and going to the groups, I found out that I'm a hot mess. <laughs> my control issues, um, I'm kind of judgmental, I'm a, little control, I'm a whole lot controlling. But and it all stems from childhood trauma. You know, and I just started finding that out as working the studies. This mm-hmm. is like my maybe seventh year. And I'm just now starting to deal with a lot of family issues. And I see now that that has happened, that my addiction started from. Yeah, and, and so what's the difference between, I kind of touched on it, but the difference between Celebrate Recovery and your normal addiction recovery kind of thing? The main thing I see with the difference is we point you to Jesus. Hmm. It is our higher power. We don't say, well, it could be the moon or the rock or whatever. It's Jesus Christ. You know, we call it <laughs> by that. Um, it is based on the principles in the Bible. It's Beatitudes. So that's where everything is based on Scripture. And when we stand up here and talk, Scripture backs up everything of Celebrate Recovery. And another thing I like about it, once you're working the program, it points you to the church. So it tells you, you know, to keep your recovery, your sobriety, to keep your habits and hangups to obey Join a church, mm-hmm. volunteer, do things. So it points you to the church. Yeah, and and so one of my friends, one of Jared's friends, actually, who uh, uh, has had this for a long time, said this is going to be the bedrock of a bunch of leaders Absolutely. that are coming. And it says it's the ER of the church. Yeah, we're all suffering for something. If you evaluate your life, if you do the step studies and you keep an inventory, is very important. You will find, yeah, I need to be a celebrity cover because I have hurts. Yeah. Uh, so I was 
heavily influenced by Celebrate Recovery 20-something years ago. Uh, I was at a youth pastor conference, and what some of my friends were, their pastors at Saddleback, where this whole thing started. And, and it was even before it was really called Celebrate Recovery, um, they were calling it Life Hurts, God Heals. And, and, and so uh, uh, they give me DVDs of what was going, and that was cutting edge, and I'm like, man, I gotta find a player for this sucker, you know? <laughs> but, uh, uh, but they give me some DVDs of what was going on, and, and I've still got those, and, and so we talked about uh, early on how God had brought kind of us together here at this place, and it's just been amazing for me uh, to be able to, to plug in with you. Uh, and, and, and so we've been doing this for about a year, a little over a year, and so now we're at the point to where people who have been through the process are now leading. So tell us a little bit about the, the people like yeah. of, of Celebrate and when Recovery. we talk about our leadership, I can't not leave out Bridge of Hope. Yeah. Because it had not been for them, we probably will still be in training. Yeah. Because it does take a while to get the step studies down. Um, the ladies, I think it took us almost a year to finish our step study. The guys, they just breezed through it within like three, four months. They were done. But it took us for almost a year. So if it had not been for the leadership of Bridge of Hope, we probably wouldn't be here. But what you do is after you go through the step studies, then I'm like, okay, well, you need to start doing some lessons. You know, you need to stand up on the stage and lead a lesson. Um, volunteer, come up and read the 12 steps, do the closing remarks. And that's what's building disciples. So it just continues, you know, like the leadership now, they're in a team. Mm -hmm. And they're coming here and they're leading. And we'll talk about it a little bit later about the step studies. So now I've always led step studies. I've always been the only person that leads step studies. But now, our new leadership, now somebody they're, else. They're is starting something. to do it, yeah. So that's all we do. We're building disciples, and it's just, it just keeps yeah. rolling. That's wonderful. Yeah, and so I've got some pictures throughout the year, and you can see baptisms. You can see worship. You can see they did a prayer walk around town. Uh, uh, Tracy and Legina went to this, this huge thing in, in I think, Nashville and, uh, and, and learned some more. And then up there in that one corner is pictures of somebody's chips as they've walked through these steps and the months and the years. Can I say something about the chips? Yeah, go ahead. So you see there's a whole lot of blue chips. <laughs> we go through a whole lot of blue chips first before we can even get down to the reds and whites. The blue chips, you know, that you first recognize that you have a default, a character defect is the yeah. correct for that. So we collect a whole lot of blue chips before we can step down to that 30 and 60 and 90 days. And, and, yeah. and, and, and so, it's okay. That's great to get a blue chip. And so every month we give out chips. And, and so sometimes you, and so the blue chip is the first one. And so sometimes you'll get a blue chip. And then the next month you get a blue chip again. That's okay. Right? <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. Just keep coming back. And we say that at the yeah, end. At the end, chips, we say that at every chip, back. keep coming keep back. Coming and back. it's, listen, if you want some energy, Come to that, because yep. it's a party in this yes, place. Last Monday of the month. Yep. It's yep. off the, 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 the chain. <laughs> new, new yeah, it's off the chain for you young people. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> we said it. Yes. So, story. Tell us one story. Oh, I have many stories. I, know. Um, I love our small groups. So, to me, everything happens in our small groups, right? So, that's when we separate. The men do their thing, the women come do theirs, and we talk. To me, that's the best part of it. Mm -hmm. But my favorite story is one night a student came in from Pike, mm -hmm. and she's like, well, I'm just here to do a paper for college. I'm like, that's fine. You're welcome to sit in. And she sat through that, and then she separated and came to our little small group. 
and we kind of sit in a circle, I like circles. So we're sitting in a circle, and we're going around the circle, and it came to her, and she was like, you know, I really came here for, to write this paper for a class. She said, but God is chasing me. Mm. She said, I felt it, but tonight he confirmed mm. that he is pursuing me. That's the word she yep. used, he's pursuing me. Yeah. And she just changed her life from that moment. Yeah, and, and we could tell stories like that yeah. forever. Um, and, and so it's been amazing. So, so tell us why everybody here should be involved. All right. Well, other than you need it because you are hurt. <laughs> I'm just telling it like it is. You have hurts, you have habits, and you have hangups. And the first lesson is denial. Okay? <laughs> and it is. It's really, that's the first lesson. And yeah, I struggled with that. That was the first lesson I had to teach oh, yeah. as well. So oh, yeah. I come to help y'all. It really hurt me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But other than that, it helps those who come. Okay, to show a church that is pouring out support for them. You know, everybody just wants to be included. Mm -hmm. Everybody wants to feel that love. So you just showing up. You don't have to. We would love for you to come and volunteer to bring supplies or whatever. But if you just come and sit and applaud, go to the small group and just sit there. And maybe you have a word of encouragement for that person. Mm -hmm. You know, you might have some wisdom that they haven't heard before. Mm -hmm. You know, just letting them know that there's somebody out there who cares. That means the world to someone who's struggling. Yep, amen. But you really need to come because you need help. Amen. <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you. Yeah. So, kind of the, we're going to kind of go through the flow of how I celebrate. Don't give it up till you're ready. When you let go of a microphone, you don't have any more control. She talked about control. control she, she talked about control. I am the control. But uh, so, so each week we step through these principles and, and, and they come from the Beatitudes and they're backed up by scripture and, and stuff. And so the early service, I said, she's going to say them by memory, so, but I got them for her. I tricked her. Good, but I'm not that good. Yeah. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jennifer and I struggle with Jennifer. Um, we're going to, every Monday at Celebrate Recovery, we say these together. So I'm not going to read them to you. Y'all are going to say them with me, okay? Realize I'm not, I'm not God. God. I admit that I am powerless to control my tendency to do the wrong thing and that my life is unmanageable. Happy are those who know they are spiritually poor. Matthew 5, 3. Earnestly believe that God exists, that I matter to him, and that he has the power to help me recover. Happy are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Matthew 5, 4. Consciously choose to commit all my life and will to Christ's care and control. Happy are the meek. Matthew 5, 5. Openly examine and confess my faults to myself, to God, and to someone I trust. Happy are the pure in heart. Matthew 5, 8. Voluntarily submit to every change God wants to make in my life and humbly ask him to remove my character defects. Happy are those whose greatest desire is to do what God requires. Matthew 5, 6. Evaluate all my relationships, offer forgiveness to those who have hurt me, and make amends for harm I've done to others, except when to do so would harm them or others. Happy are the merciful, Matthew 5, 7. Happy are the peacemakers, Matthew 5, 9. Reserve a daily time with God for self-examination 
Bible reading and prayer in order to know God and his will for my life and to gain the power to follow his will. Yield myself to God to be used to bring this good news to others, both by my example and by my words. Happy are those who are persecuted because they do what God requires. Matthew 5.10. Amen. Yeah. And, and so in each lesson at Celebrate Recovery, uh, we, we use an acrostic. And our acrostic for today is hope. Um, I think we could all use a little hope in our lives. Uh, it's in the second principle that we cover with Celebrate Recovery. Uh, it's in the second principle that we come to believe that God exists and that we are important to him. And that we're able to find the one true higher power, and that is Jesus Christ. We come to understand that God wants to fill our lives with his love and his joy and his presence. Uh, one of my favorite parables is in Luke 15, and it's the parable of the prodigal son. Uh, through, through the story, um, it, it's, a, it's about the story of, of a father's love for his son, his own relentless love for his son but really the story's about God and his love for us as his children and so God is looking for you no matter how lost you feel God's searching love can find you no matter how many times you fall God uh, is there with his hands of mercy reaching out to pick you up and to love you and to forgive you and that's where we find hope so higher power H stands for higher power. Our higher power is the one and only true higher power, and that's Jesus Christ. There are people who come to CR who have tried everything to get healing from the pain that they feel. Uh, they, they've tried to give up that habit or that hurt or that hang-up. They've tried to walk away from that person or that situation that haunts them or hurts them. Uh, and, and sometimes they even try to force themselves to get better and not hurt anymore. They try to will themselves to be better. And they say things like, if I just don't let it bother me, I'll get better. Or, or, or if I just don't pay attention, it will go away. I think we can all relate to this on, on some level. The problem is, is that if we leave God out of the healing process, we are never going to be complete in our healing. When we invite God into this process, we invite the Creator into it, the only one who knows us completely inside and out, the only one who can give us true restoration. In the past, you may have believed in Jesus, maybe His existence, or, or maybe you've even attended church. But what you find is that in this understanding of who he really is, it moves you to a personal relationship. Jesus wants hands-on, day-to-day, moment-to-moment relationship with us. And he can do for us what we can't do for ourselves. Romans 11, it says this, Everything comes from God alone. Everything lives by his power. Many people today believe their doubts, and they doubt their beliefs. Belief is a result of, of, of consideration. It's, it's a result of reasoning. It's a result of concluding. So Paul, 
love Paul. He just seems to be kind of like Legina. He just tells it like it is, you know. Uh, but, but he's talking about this thorn in his flesh, this thing he's carried around for such a long time. And, 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 he, and he, says, he says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And, and each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now, I'm glad to boast about my weakness so that the power of Christ can work through me. When we learn how, how to lean into this belief that, that and the power of Jesus Christ, he can move us from where we are to a brand new place so that we can stand firmly on his promises and not on any shaky ground or anything that moves, but on the rock. And when we do that, he puts this openness to change in our hearts. Openness to change. Sometimes uh, we're afraid to change. Even if our past is painful and we know we got to find a way out, we still resist change because we fear the unknown of a future. We think, maybe I don't deserve better. We start telling these lies to ourselves. But here's the good news is that a hope opens doors where despair closes them. Hope discovers what can be done instead of worrying about what hasn't been done. Throughout your life, you're going to continue to encounter hurts and trials, and you're going to feel powerless to change. But with God's help, you can open and allow these circumstances and situations to change you and to make you better instead of making you more bitter. Ephesians 4 says, Now your attitudes and your thoughts must all be consistently changing for the better. Yes, you must be a new and a different person. How are you going to do that? Well... You have to have the power to change. The P in hope tells us about the power to change. In the past, we may have wanted to change, but we're unable to do so. We couldn't free ourselves from our hurts or our habits or our hang-ups. But when we understand that God's power can change us and our situation, things begin to move. Philippians 4.13, for I can do Everything God asked me to with the help of Christ who gives me the strength and the power. Power to change comes directly from God's grace. You see, hope draws its power from this deep trust in God. Uh, just like that, that the psalmist talks about, he wrote this, Lead me, teach me, for you are the God who gives me salvation and I have no hope except in you. We began to understand that God's power can change us in our situation. And once we tap into that power, our right actions, you know, what we call Christ-like behavior, it just comes. It just comes as a byproduct of the one that we believe in. So the last letter, E, expect to change. See, what happens is we give up long before the miracle happens. We, 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 we know we need help. We know we need hope. We know we need a change. We believe that change can happen, but we somehow don't really expect it to happen. And, and so we give up, and we give up too soon. But with God's help, the changes that you have begged for are just a few steps away. 
Philippians 1, 6, it really expresses my heart in all this. It says, I am sure that God who began the good work within you will keep right on helping you grow in his grace until his task within you is finally finished and that, on that day of the return of Jesus Christ. You know, you, you can't do anything at all. My dad used to tell me this all the time. Son, it ain't going to fix itself. You can't do anything till you get started. And that first step is the most important. So how, how much faith does it take to get started? Well, Matthew 17 tells us if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, uh, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it's going to move. Nothing will be impossible for you. And for me, that's good news. Because there's days that I wake up and my faith is weak. But I have hope. I have hope because I believe in the Savior who come and he lived and he died and he rose again on this earth. I believe in, in him so much. It's so good to know that you don't need to have this huge faith to get going. You only need a small mound to begin to move your mountains, right? your hurts, your habits, your hang-ups, whatever that could be. And we say those things, and like I say, sometimes we pigeonhole this into addiction and that kind of recovery, but there's more. There's people who are hurt from marriage. There's people who are, are hung up on things that have happened in their past. There's people who, who have these habits, food, right? There's people who have these things in their life that need to let go, and you've got to take that first step. And through this program, uh, we have seen people experience healing. We have seen people experience hope. We have seen people get better, uh, and more than we have seen them, I have experienced it in my life. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Faith Live. Again, this is an interruption of our series on the book of Luke. Let us get back to the message where we are celebrating the one-year anniversary of Celebrate Recovery at New Beginnings Fellowship Church. And so I want to share a story with you. And I'm going to ask my friends Phil and Tracy to come on up. And we've been friends for, uh, well, I don't even know how long. I was trying to think about it in first service, and I, I don't even know. Um, but uh, Tracy's a, a, a longtime volunteer with, uh, with the youth, and she does check-in and helps on Sunday morning. And Phil was a Boy Scout leader. Some of you guys remember him from that. And, and, and so they have been through this process, and as Tracy will tell you, they've been through it and through it and through it, right? Uh, and, uh, and, and so I'm, I, we've asked them to share their story. And we're going to be sharing some more stories throughout this year, and we're going to be calling them a real and relevant moment where you actually get to see God's impact on people's lives. So Tracy. Good morning. My name is Tracy. I'm a faithful believer in Jesus Christ, and I struggle with, well, I didn't know what I struggled with because I thought I had it all, but I struggle with enabling and codependency to alcohol. My name is Phil. I'm a grateful believer in Jesus, and I'm a recovering alcoholic. So, 
um, as they were talking about leaders growing, you know, coming up, and this is a big step for Philip to be up here. So I'll do the talking. He's going to do the crying. So there we go. <laughs> so a little bit of background. Uh, Philip and I have been married for 21 years. He had two girls when we married. They were four and six, Kimberly and Paige. Um, now we have two boys, Seth and Kevin, who are teenagers, almost 20-year-olds. Um, Ten years ago, we lost Paige in a car accident. She was killed by a drunk driver, a driver that was under the influence. There was a bunch of kids. They were just out partying. She thought she was having the time of her life. And um, we're raising her little boy. He was two then, and he's 12 now. So if you ever see a 12-year-old this high, that's ours. Um, since that, 10 years ago, Philip has... He was an alcoholic when we started, or when we dated, but, um, you know, it wasn't bad. Well, imagine losing that child, your, your baby girl, and um, it got worse. So I prayed, and I prayed, and I had a group of praying friends, praying church, um, but I never knew if he, would ever gonna, if he was ever going to heal. Go back to December of 2021, um, that Christmas... Um, I went to bed mad. He was drunk. Uh, he didn't help put um, the finishing touches for with me for Christmas. Um, he woke up drunk, and of course he wanted another beer. So, you know, we were going to go to the gas station because that's the only thing that's open on Christmas. And I took him to the ER. He was not happy with me, uh, as you can imagine, and. Um, it was found that he was in liver failure. That's why he was drunk, because his liver was not, had not digested what he had drunk the night before. So that was many of the times that we had been admitted to the hospital. Along with all this, he was diabetic. He was 150 pounds heavier. He has been battling um, wounds on both feet for over three years. Fast forward to last January, I had heard that CR was coming to the church. And Phil had mentioned it once before. He's been in um, five, six different rehabs. And at one of them, they went to a CR. And uh, he said, yeah, that's, that's better than NA or AA. He said, let's, let's, we'll go. I'll try it. Um, after the first meeting, he said, eh, I, I might could try it again. I said, well, I don't care if you're going or not, but I need it, and I'm going. Well, we haven't missed a day except for the Mondays that he's been in the hospital for one reason or another. We kept attending and kept attending. He kept drinking and drinking. Finally, on Wednesday, February 15th, Arch had, I had gone home from youth group. He was drunk. Our boys were there, and they were very upset because this was one of the worst nights. And they left. And he said, where are they going? I said, they don't want to be around you anymore. We're done. And I learned through the strength of CR that it's okay, that we have to, I have to live my life. And I have to be my children's mother. I don't have to be his caretaker. And I don't have to live my life because of beer and alcohol. They came home. But that was the last night he had a drink of alcohol. <laughs> Tomorrow will be 11 months. So as the uh, enabler and the codependent that I am, I kept waiting for relapse because it happens. Waiting and waiting. And 
How are your cravings today? I mean, how are you feeling? I'm good. I got, a, I got a craving, but I just prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed a lot. I didn't know that he had asked Jesus into his heart. But he says that's what helped him through the tough days. Amongst this time, he was very sick, losing all kinds of weight, test after test, no answers. Doctor visits sometimes three times a week to, to work on his feet. He wasn't able to drive, my control issues. Then in July, we faced the worst infection ever, and he lost his leg. You see, that night before, I had heard the song, Trust in God, that we just sang in CR. I sat down with him. That th It was a Tuesday morning of his surgery. We listened to it several times right there in the hospital room. We cried, we prayed, we cried, and we prayed. We sought the Lord, and he heard, and he answered. You see, if he was up against the surgery two or three years ago, he would have died. He didn't know Jesus. He was sick. He's the healthiest he has ever been in the 21 years of our marriage right now. The next day, see, I'm a physical therapist, and so I work with people who have lost their limbs many times, you know, all the time, 26 years. Philip found the Amputation Coalition on the Internet. I had no clue that was such a thing. So here we have literature that he's reading. He doesn't read. He's reading the literature. He's on Facebook on three different support groups and on meetings every Sunday night. That was God. Because if not, he would not. This, two years ago, this wouldn't have happened. We needed a way into our house right after the amputation. We've got steps at every entrance. Guess who was there? God. I called Chris. Within a day or two, a ramp was funded, material was delivered, and the youth group had completed the 25-foot ramp in one afternoon. I was going home on lunch to take lunch to the kids. It was already there. That was just God. They were fighting over who was going to do what. So you see, God has been active in our lives, but CR has taught me things, too. You know, we have Monday night, large group. Then we separate into small groups, women and men. But we also have step studies. And in that step study, I learned what enabler and what a codependent really was. And that I'm not that anymore. See, on the way home from work every day, like he, I had the keys so he couldn't drive, um, I would get his beer. That's my enabler. I didn't want to go back out after I'd been working all day. I was always get enough for the night because he was not going to drive after he started drinking because I could not in my heart have another family go through what we went through 10 years ago. I was codependent because all these years I've made sure that he was what he needed for the night. So when I would go home from work, I'd make sure that he was set so that I could leave and go see our boys do their things, band and activities. <clears throat> that way I wouldn't worry if he was okay or not. When I was at work, I would text or call him. If he didn't answer, Lord, the anxiety attacks came on, and those are real. 
I've learned through CR that it is not how I want to live, and I no longer am codependent on my husband's behaviors or the alcohol. Philip will tell you that was in book three of the step study titled, Getting Right with God, Yourself, and Others, that changed his view and turned his heart and life to God completely. You know how it is said, if I could just do one, if I could just impact one person, I feel like I've done enough. Phil said last night, he said, I am that one person. And I can't thank those enough. Our children have lived through this. And teens nowadays, man, the anxiety, the, the pressure that's out there for teens is just, I just don't remember it being when, when I was young. I have now been trained and will begin a youth slash teen celebrate recovery called The Landing. And I'm looking for some help, especially a male, because I need a male to work with the men and I'll work with the women. <coughs> if you see any place in your heart to help with the teens, that would be great and you can reach out to me. Um, you see, if we can help the teens address the issues, we, there won't be adults with issues. Um, I have seen so much of God happen through our lives in the last year, but most recently we had a fellow, uh, a friend who had her husband put in rehab in Hazard, and the rehab wouldn't take him. So late Thursday night, I had to work on Monday, or on Friday, I mean, um, I had just gone by her house to give her a coffee and, and a hug because I knew where she was. And I had been that person, but I didn't have anybody. Because you don't realize when you're going through it, there are other people that are doing this, other people that are going through the same thing. Well, they called her and they said, we can't keep them, you need to come get them. And she said, I don't have a car. And I said, get in, get in the van. I called Philip, I said, get your leg on, we're going for a ride. And I said to him, I said, you know, I'm sorry. This is a Thursday night. We could be watching a football game. We could be, you know, doing something. He said, you know what, honey? We're doing God's work. That's just so new to me. There's so many other parts to this story. There's so much more I can share. That, but I, I, just, I just don't have the time. I mean, I'm sure you all are getting bored. But anyways. Um, are you hurting? Have you been hurt in the past? Are you enabling a family member? Are you codependent on somebody's bad habits? Do you have a habit that you would wish to stop? Do you have a hang-up or something that just can't get over from the past? If you said yes to any of these questions, you would benefit from Monday night because you are one of those people. So I put this picture up there. That's Phil, the first time he was at a chip ceremony after he got his leg. I think that was his nine month um, um, celebration. And when he 
stood up. I was in the sound booth, and when he stood up, like, oh, like I'll never forget. Like there's some things you'll never forget. I'll never forget that. And, and, and like I say, the chip celebrations are amazing. Whenever somebody gets up and comes up here, I mean, it's a celebration. And so I want to invite you guys every Monday night uh, to come and, and hang out with us and, and grow and learn as, as we are growing and learning together. I mean, you become a family, a community uh, in the process. And, and, and so... Um, Go back to the, where we just kind of started. Back to the, to the parable that we started with, the, the parable of the prodigal son. Um, like I said, um, the story is about a father's love for his lost son. And, and really, it, it's a picture of God's love for you. Um, uh, it's God's love is looking for you no matter how lost you feel. I want to show you a short video of a modern version of this parable. And, and, and let's see. since we talked, I was, you know, was kind of hoping you'd answer, but um, I understand that you probably don't want to talk to me. I've just gone so far, and the things I've done, I, I just regret it, you know? And I know how bad I've hurt you and let you down, but, but Dad, I, I miss you. I miss how we drive around and just talk about life. And I just, I just want to come home. But I know you've probably written me off. I can't blame you, actually. Here's, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> it's kind of a shot in the dark, but I'm, uh, I'm coming through town soon, and to see you. I know I can't just show up at the front door like I used to, but but if you want to see me, just hang a small sheet out on the porch. And if the sheet isn't there, when I drive by, I'll keep going and, and I'll try not to bother you anymore. I love you, Dad.
God's searching love can find you. I'm going to ask the band to come on up. No, no matter how many times you might have fallen, no matter how far down you think you are, no matter how broken maybe you think your life is, God longs to be in this relationship with you. He loves you so much that he sent his only son to live and to die. And, 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 and he was resurrected to prove that he is God. God's hands of mercy are reaching out. He wants to pick you up. And, and like I said, the, the, sometimes the hardest step is that first step. That's why we keep getting blue chips. Sometimes that's the hardest one, but if anybody here today wants to take a first step, whether it be you are dealing with addiction, or, or maybe, maybe your marriage is in trouble, or maybe I, I have said I want my finances to be better, or, or maybe I'm just trying to lose weight, or maybe, just maybe, I would like to step into this relationship with Jesus Christ for the very first time. I've, I've known him, but now I really want to get to know him. Maybe today's for you. Maybe we could celebrate your recovery just like we celebrate mine, just like we celebrate Phil, Jennifer, just John. I mean, we, we love you. And we don't want a minute to pass. We've seen God do amazing things in this room. And we'd love to see it happen to you. Father, I pray that if there's anybody in this room that, that, that wants to take a bold step, that they don't wait another second, that they come running to your arms. I pray, Father, that because of you, we are never the same. I pray over this place right now. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Faith Life. Faith Life is a ministry of New Beginnings Fellowship Church located in Plainville, Kentucky. You can find us on the web at www.nbfc.church or look for us on Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to Faith Life Podcast on your favorite podcasting platforms and download each weekly episode. Again, thank you for joining us, and we will see you next week as we walk the Faith Life.